So where do we go in scripture on this Pentecost weekend and 60th anniversary celebration? Let's go to the words of Jesus. We have a prayer in John chapter 17 that Jesus prayed for us 2,000 years ago. This prayer has been passed down from generation to generation until it has reached us. It is awe-inspiring and humbling to know that shortly before his death, Jesus goes before the Father praying for us, for people like you and me. For all of us, you may ask? A German-Canadian businessman is separated from his wife. He's been separated for about 18 months, living alone in downtown Vancouver. He wants to call her, but he feels so ashamed for his unfaithfulness. He's afraid to call. Does Jesus see him? And then he hears an audible, peaceful, encouraging voice. Oh, Norm, phone. He doesn't know who's speaking to him. Could it, could it be Jesus? John chapter 17 is not just any collection of words. Here we have the most intimate hopes and desires of Jesus expressed. We enter the intimacy of Jesus sitting with the Father. We hear his heart. This is how he begins his prayer. John chapter 17, verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. When did Jesus pray these words? Jesus has just announced his departure to his disciples. His followers are deeply troubled. He has just said these words in John chapter 16, verse 32. Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone for the Father is with me. Jesus knows the hour has come. That's code language for the time appointed by the Father for Judas' betrayal, Jesus' arrest, his trial, and his crucifixion. In this very moment, when he knows that his followers, his friends, will abandon him, Jesus lifts his eyes to heaven, and he prays because he knows the Father is with him. In essence, when he prays in verse 1, the hour has come, glorify your son, he's saying, Father, your will be done. Jesus knows his father to be good, loving, and faithful. In this moment of his greatest trial, he expresses complete trust in his father. Can we know his father? In verse 1, Jesus prays, glorify your son that the son may glorify you. To glorify means to unveil the brilliance of who God is before the eyes of a watching humanity. Jesus became one of us to make the Father known. In this moment, when Jesus prays, hours before his shameful death, Jesus' deepest desire is to unveil God's love, his way, his truth, his righteousness, his justice. The cross will be the most profound revelation of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. 
This prayer of Jesus is the decisive turning point between his earthly ministry and his death. Jesus will take the curtain off heaven's window and demonstrate the Father's compassion for every person on the face of the earth. In essence, Jesus is praying, Father, may may your name be glorified. Speed up the cross. It will unveil the splendor of your love. Jesus seeks nothing less. The German-Canadian businessman mentioned earlier, he was separated from his wife, living alone in downtown Vancouver. He wanted to call her, but he felt so ashamed. He was afraid to call. And Jesus said to him in an audible, peaceful, encouraging voice, Oh, Norm, phone. The God he did not know was speaking to him. And the God he did not know had prepared his wife, Rachel, for a call she did not want to take. Eighteen months later, Norm was driving his car on Highway 1 in Burnaby. His radio happened to be on a Christian radio station. Couldn't stand the music, so he fiddled with the radio, trying to find the news or some classical music. As he drove, the radio preacher shared the good news of Jesus' love. Norm came under conviction, and he started to cry. He never cried. Stopped his car on the side of the road, a good thing to do if you're crying. And he gave his heart to Jesus. Then the preacher said, If you're in your car, you need to find a good community church. It was Friday. That night, driving home to South Burnaby, where he lived, Norm saw Willingdon Church, and he heard the Lord saying, this is where you need to go. (laughs) Saturday morning, Norm and Rachel were in Richmond, where they usually did not go. They were in Richmond at Costco, and there they were greeted by the Dixons. For some reason, Norm asked them, Do you know Jesus? They smiled. They were members of Willingdon. On Sunday morning, October 21st, 2001, the Dixons were waiting for Norm and Rachel at the church door. Rachel was now trying to understand her husband, who now cried, and shared with her what he was learning from the Bible. Had he lost his mind? Too much was happening for her, but she loved the fact that Norm was home and now really cared for her. God was opening Norm's eyes to the true meaning of life. The things he had valued as a businessman, money and power and control, were no longer of value to him. He was enraptured by the God who had spoken to him. At the same time, he had a question. God, how can you love me? How can you be interested in me? God had invited him in. The sheer grace of God. Norm, now he wanted to get baptized, express publicly his love for Jesus. So together with Rachel, they signed up to be baptized. He wasn't sure where Rachel was at all in her relationship with Jesus. In the baptismal interview with George and Kay Gertzen, George sensed it was time for Rachel to accept Jesus. So he invited her to belong, and she just burst into tears and surrendered her life. 
Norma and Rachel were baptized together on March 3rd, 2002. After serving in the church for a number of years, ushering and, and cleaning tables, Norm decided to go to Regent College for his master's. During his final year at Regent, he was invited to join the pastoral team at Willingdon. Pastor Norm says this, and I quote him, I could never have imagined the doors God would open to help me grow in my faith, bless my marriage, uh, serve the Willingdon community, and make so many friends. My wife, Rachel, and I are direct beneficiaries of the beautiful legacy of people who welcomed the world. There is no greater call in life than to know Jesus personally and to carry on his ministry to a world that desperately needs to know his love for them. End of quote. What is the heart of Jesus for people? Look at verse 2. Jesus prays, Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. Before creation, in eternity past, the Father decided to give Jesus all authority over all of humanity, the whole human race. In this moment of, of just intimate communion with the Father, Jesus does not speak of the heavens given to him, of the earth given to him, of thrones and dominions and principalities and powers and crowns given to him, but he speaks of his followers, of you and me. In verse 6, Jesus says this, Yours they were, Father, and you gave them to me. They're my sheep. I will gather them, watch over them. I will keep them, teach them, and will present them to you, Father, without spot or wrinkle. They are my inheritance, and I will protect them. No gift has ever been more cherished than the gift of followers from the Father to the Son. Each follower is given to Jesus as a, as a gift from the Father. Why? Because the Father from eternity past has been set upon us. He is deeply interested in us. The Father actually cares. And each follower of Jesus is gifted by the Father with eternal life. What is eternal life? Verse 3, Jesus prays, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. To have life is to know the only true God, the Father, and to know Jesus Christ, his Son, personally. To know Jesus Christ personally. Have you heard that before? What does it mean to know? To know and it includes knowing things about God, but more importantly, it means to be in an intimate relationship with Him, to trust, to sit with, to be with a person, to be with Jesus. To know Jesus personally is to know the Father. Jesus said in chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Knowing Jesus is the ultimate access to knowing the Father. To know the Father and the Son is, is to enter into their intimate relationship of love. Did we catch it? Can we grasp it? Jesus is asking the Father that we be gifted with eternal life, the gift of being in intimate relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. At the core of our being, we long for this relationship. 
Eternity is in our hearts. We want to know God, belong to him. And this is precisely what he has for us. We have been invited in to belong to him and to know him. Not just to touch the the hem of his garment. No. We have been invited into intimate relationship, eternal relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You may say, oh, I'm not holy enough for that. I will never get there in this life. Sometimes we just don't believe. We don't believe it to be true, so we go elsewhere. Could it be true? The Father invites us in to know him and his son, Jesus. No matter who we are, where we are, or what we've done. It happens by the Spirit. We're invited into that sacred fellowship. This is what happened with Norm and Rachel in response to Jesus' prayer for us. In the same prayer, Jesus prays for those who will come to believe in him. John chapter 17, verse 20. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus knows we all desire to belong to a family, a team, a club, a friendship group. So Jesus makes two, two requests. First, He asks that his followers all belong to one another. We can be one with one another just as Jesus is one with the Father because the same Spirit unites us. This is the most intimate human community imaginable. All are included. Second, he prays that we might enter that sacred friendship, sacred fellowship of Father and Spirit, that we be taken up into the unity of God, a love which has always been. Jesus prays this because God's presence in our lives will make us one with one another. This is truly extraordinary. We're invited to belong to one another and to God. Unbelievable. But how does this happen? Verse 22. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you loved me. The glory of God is given to us. The spirit of glory descended on Jesus at his baptism. The spirit of glory descended on the church at Pentecost. That same spirit is sent to indwell us. Through the spirit, we drink from the streams of heaven. We enter the sacred fellowship, the sacred friendship of Father and Son by the Spirit. And we become one with one another by the same Spirit. We have been invited to belong to and to know one another. And when we are one with God and one with one another, something happens. The world begins to believe. Two times in these four verses, Jesus emphasizes what will happen if we are one. The world will come to know that Jesus was sent by the Father and will know that they are loved even as the Father loves Jesus. Wait a minute. 
Did we hear that correctly? That the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me, Jesus prayed. Wow. This thought is breathtakingly extravagant. Could it, could it even be true? It is what Jesus prayed, but almost unfathomable. In 2001, a fourth-generation Canadian of Japanese heritage, she was living in Toronto and was back in Vancouver on a business trip. Although she had grown up in North Burnaby, she had never heard of Willington Church. In fact, she had never been invited to a church in her entire life. So when she received the invitation from a friend, she was a bit apprehensive, not certain what to expect. Would she have to kneel? (laughs) Would she have to sing? Would it be awkward, uncomfortable? When she entered Willingdon, she saw hundreds of people, different ages, different cultures, in conversation with one another, many smiling, some laughing, others praying together. She wondered, why are all these people here? God had begun to touch her heart. Every time she would come into town, her friend would invite her to Willingdon. About a year later, her father was diagnosed with cancer. And after many sleepless nights, being so far away from her family, she sensed it was time to leave the company and return to Burnaby. After 20 years of climbing the corporate ladder, she left her job in Toronto and returned home to begin, she says, the most important journey of her life. Even though she did not know who Jesus was, she was always warmly welcomed at Willingdon and cared for by everyone she encountered. They prayed for her when she didn't know what prayer was. They supported her when she didn't know who to turn to. They carried her as she faced her father's struggle with cancer. When this young woman moved back from Toronto, she missed the social interactions of everyday business life at her former company. So many colleagues and employees. But Willingdon became the family she longed for. And that was when she started the journey to discover who this Jesus was. In her Discovering Jesus class, she learned it was about Jesus, yes, but it was also about the relationships. She was able to ask the questions for which she had no answers. She was able to ask even the most embarrassing questions and hear the most amazing answers. She met a gifted leader who discipled her right through her journey and who then became a lifelong friend. After three months, on October 28, 2001, she entered a new relationship with Jesus, and she was so excited. The following day, however, was one of the most difficult days of her life. Doubts, fears, and questions arose in her heart. Had she truly become a child of God? As she sat in her backyard, looking out into the forest through the trees, the Lord spoke three words to her. Lean on me. Lean on me. Now, being a new Christian and not well-versed in the Bible, she automatically thought 
of the Beatles song. But she ran into the house and wrote those three words on her mirror. Lean on me. The next day, she went to see a Willingdon pastor, looking for answers to her many questions. During that appointment, the pastor graciously assured her of her new life in Jesus, and then signed her Bible for her. Excited again, she grabbed a cappuccino, her newly signed Bible, and went to her favorite bench on English Bay. As she sat looking out over the ocean, she opened her Bible and read the verses written by the pastor inside the cover. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. She had not mentioned the three words to the pastor. Jesus inviting her to lean on him. Jesus would carry her and lead her forward. The Willingdon Church family welcomed her with open arms, walked alongside her during a a very difficult season as her father struggled with cancer, and then encouraged her and guided her as she surrendered her heart, her life to Jesus, and grew in her faith. Family. In her immediate family, this young woman of Japanese heritage only had her parents and two brothers. She remembers the first time she traveled back to Japan and met her extended family in person. Cousins, aunts, uncles, and grandparents, all living within a few blocks of each other. It was an overwhelming sense of belonging, to be part of a larger family. That's how she feels today about being part of God's family. Overwhelmed with a sense of belonging. By God's grace, the family that invited her to belong, then invited her to join our staff team as executive director. We know her today as Penny. The God of the universe has invited us in. He says, come lean on me. We are invited to be one with him, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As we enter that sacred fellowship, that friendship, we are enabled by the Spirit to be one with one another. One day, Norm stopped beside the highway to accept God's invitation. On another day, Penny surrendered her heart to Jesus. Maybe today is your day. Your day to accept God's invitation to relationship, to know Him, to be forgiven, to be set free to be adopted into his family. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today, then I invite you to pray with me. Pray this prayer. Father, I thank you for sending Jesus out of love for me. Jesus, I thank you for coming and unveiling the Father to me. Thank you for going to the cross out of love and dying on my behalf, taking my sin upon yourself, so that I might know the Father, so that I might receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus, I receive you as my Savior, as my Lord. I want to follow you. I want to know you. Guide me from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 
If you prayed that prayer, I'd invite you to talk to a friend who follows Jesus, or you can connect with us here at Willingdon. We would love to talk to you. Now, let's continue in worship.